Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right, I'm Chris Soyd, I'm president of Career Crossroads. Thanks for joining our live stream of our weekly show, uh, where today we're, we're calling it Audible. <laughs> so, so uh, previously planned, uh, we were going to talk about expanding talent pools and, and how some things are pretty tough in the space. We had a TA leader coming in today, but instead, we're going to talk about transparency. So uh, if you're on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, you're listening live, go ahead and use the chat feature. You can say hi, drop a note, any questions you've got in there. Uh, and just as a, as a quick reminder, we don't have any sponsors here on the CXR podcast, no ads uh, during this little weekly sort of 20 minute roundup. So if we mention someone or something uh, that we think is cool or that uh, warrants your attention, well, it's because we think it's cool and it, and it warrants your attention. So uh, today's guest intro is a pretty easy one. You likely already know him if you're dialed into CXR and listening uh, or watching. And that is, of course, Jerry Crispin, who is the Career Crossroads founder. Jerry, how are you? I'm wonderful. Life is good. <laughs> it's not like I don't get to talk to you every single day. So I, yeah. so in the spirit of transparency, I'm fiending that, that I haven't that I haven't spoken to you only minutes ago. Cool. <laughs> is it fiending or is it feigning? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Faking it in the transparency space. So Jerry, we've seen. So if you're if you're a subscriber to our Bellwether, or if you are uh, if you subscribe to the LinkedIn newsletter that we send out, uh, or if you've been sort of part of any of the conversations. We're, we're starting to see a lot of leaders talk about transparency and um, whether they're on the vendor side or whether they're on the talent acquisition side, right? The practitioner side. Uh, but this hunger, this desire for transparency, what, what do you think? And I, and I know we want to get into one specific topic that we're pretty passionate Sorry. about in that space. We're going to talk about it. But when we say transparency in the space, what, is that, um, what does that mean to you? What, what, what does transparency mean if I'm new to the new to the topic? Yeah, it means it means that each of the stakeholders should be informed, data informed, you know, if at all possible, um, about that particular subject. And and if not, um, the reason why should be defended. So if I can't have access to the kind of data that helps me do my job better within recruiting or within managing, um, I need to know why that data is being held from me, if, if you will, uh, in relation to that. So uh, it's a big subject, it's a big issue, and I think a lot of individuals are learning how to break through that transparency issue to, to see what's going on uh, without the the, the, you know, the use of going to their employer or their boss or to the, to the powers that be, uh, because we now have a world in which, in which there's a lot of tools out there that can inform us if we're not being asked. And sometimes those tools might misinform us as well. So it's, it's behooves the employer to really get on board with this issue about data <laughs> impact, you know, data transparency. Well, like what level, I get that. And I, you know that I completely agree with you. But I think an interesting conversation that we end up having with some of the more senior leaders is what, 
what level of transparency is transparent enough, right? Is it like, um, Jerry, I have Bailey's in my coffee right now, full transparency, <laughs> right? Or is it full, like, you know what? I don't actually have any pants on today. Well, so I mean, those are two different levels of transparency. Yeah, you know, the whole thing has to do with the relevance of, of my wanting to work, mm -hmm. my wanting to understand how my work affects my job. You know, am I doing a full job with what I'm doing? How my job affects my career, how my career affects my, you know, my, my stage in life. So, so you have to get into the context of what is it we're talking about from a transparency point of view. So it could be, it could be about the process that uh, we were involved in hiring. It could be about an aspect of it like pay. It could be about uh, access to data that relates to diversity. All of those things are relevant uh, as opposed to whether or not you're wearing pants today. Okay, so well, let's talk a little bit about that then, because we do have a topic that we're pretty passionate about, and I know you're working on a piece uh, where yep. we're going to discuss that in more detail. But we have seen some legislation pass uh, on multiple levels, right, at city and state levels, that require some disclosure around pay ranges. Yep. But we have also seen some employers find a crafty way to sort of get around some of that. Sure, Col yeah. Colorado being the one that's that's most come to you know fruition that there's there's some effort to get some data information about who what those workarounds are and and kind of raise a concern about whether or not that's legitimate moral it probably is not illegal it's more immoral it's a little it's a little sketch i mean <laughs> yeah. for those who aren't aware Colorado had a pay equity law um, a year or so ago, mm -hmm. and and uh, basically it said if you want to hire somebody in Colorado, like for a you know remote work, and so you advertise uh, that job as being available for remote work, you need you need to show salary in that posting. Yep. Now that's a law in Colorado. And uh, a lot of lawyers have decided that a way to avoid all of that would be to, at the bottom of your job posting, say this this um, remote work opportunity is available to anyone but those people who live in Colorado. Yeah. And and so that's not kind of illegal to discriminate against someone in Colorado, but it sure it sure sends a message about you know how you think about the spirit of an, of 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 this particular law. Um, and I think it's wrong. I think if we have a law, you, you need to abide by it. And fundamentally, it may piss you off. So go goddamn change the law. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but well, you know, as long as as long as it's there, you should be doing the right thing by it. Yeah, I mean, I understand the argument that there is an internal equity challenge that this causes, right? So if, if by and large, your internal folks are not paid, uh, in a particular function or, or whatever, uh, a competitive wage, right? Over the years, they've gotten the 3% increase or the 1.5% increase or whatever. And you're now hiring, and this is not uncommon, but you're now hiring people in at, uh, you know, 15%, you know, 20% higher than those that are already in the role. You don't want to say what the new wage is. We, we know that's happening. We know yeah. that it's happening everywhere. The issue is everybody's pretending like it's not or that if I don't tell anybody what the problem is, it'll go away. It won't go away because we have access, increasing access to that data. 
any human being who's interested in a job can go to several places and find out what that job will pay, even if it's wrong. Well, we'd let's and talk it's about probably that. wrong because <laughs> the employers are unwilling to share their damn data. Well, now what we're learning is that something like 25 to 30 percent of employers are wi more willing to provide that. But that still means 70 percent are unwilling in the United States to provide a consistent approach to how they share information about pay yeah. publicly as part of the job opening. And so one trend, one idea about transparency, pay transparency, is that more employers should be encouraged uh, that if if they share that kind of data, they get beyond it more quickly. It adds value to them. Um, and as opposed to not sharing it and being shamed for it. Well, so that's sort of the thing, right? So the, the, these laws are being passed trying to encourage people to do, well, or mandate people to do the right thing. Right. Uh, but then we've had this interesting topic of Indeed's efforts lately mm -hmm. uh, and sort of try, taking, a, taking a shot at putting salaries on these employers' postings that they have scraped. Right. But but what we're hearing is they're so wildly off that it is forcing the employer's hand to try to put some sort of wage on their roles. Right. Because they're losing candidates who think that that the, the wage is so much lower. Agree. And and you know what? I love that. But also we know that Indeed's not the first one to do that. Google has been doing that for a while. Yep. Um, uh, college recruiter uh, Steve. Stephen uh, informed me that he's been doing that for for a couple of years now, and and obviously it depends on the sources for Indeed, Google, and um, and College Recruited and others to be able to come close to what that might what that salary might be within a given geography level, et cetera, et cetera. It's not easy. It's much easier if the employers support this <laughs> in a way that makes sense. It, it, well, you're 100 percent right. I also suspect it's not just because it's indeed, but it's timing right now, right? We have so many people. It's so you know so eager to to look, so eager to search and move and switch. And this great calibration or this resignation piece has people sort of on their toes a little bit. And so I think the employers are feeling it. Yeah, I, and, and but here's where the transparency gets a little bit expanded. It's not. It's this is just one step, if you will. Yeah in having an openness in the conversation that takes place. So if I'm a candidate, I should be able to ask, if I ask about salary, I shouldn't be told, oh, wait a second, before we get to that, <laughs> and we eventually will, how much do you make? You know, which which sends an awful message, which which is one of the reasons why a lot of these laws were formed in the first place. Nearly nearly uh, 49 of the 50 states have have laws that address this kind of stuff now. And and the first couple were in California and, and uh, Massachusetts and a couple other states. Yeah. But but we also have a workaround. So instead of instead of asking people what their salary is, we ask them, what salary do you expect? So now that's kind of the default workaround before you actually tell them what you are likely to offer in a standard deviation. So one of the issues is, you know, most companies, most companies for most jobs, not all, 
you know, fundamentally operate within a uh, very narrow range in terms of what they what the entry salary would be. So it's pretty easy to say it's within, uh, you know, a range that's typically it covers a standard deviation in terms of the in terms of the range of the total the total area. Yeah. Um, and it's it's why don't we get around to telling people these kinds of things? I have no idea other than this fear that as market generates higher prices for entry, we're getting more irritation on the part of our employees who not only don't have uh, information about the salary ranges in their own damn company. So yeah. they should. That's a transparency issue. Uh, because this is a problem we need to address and companies need to grapple with this and there's plenty of solutions they need to address it to deal with their employees. Well, I think too, what some folks miss is the how this you know plays into the pay equity gap between genders because right so women making less less money than men. And I will tell you when one of the last roles that I hired uh, when I was a practitioner, uh, I went, went to get approval on the offer that we were going to make. And the leader came back and said, well, what do they make today? I said, well, they, they make this. I said, well, just offer 10% more than that. Well, that's that's not that's that's not terribly competitive, but they'll think she's gonna think it was a female hire as me. She's gonna think it's it's a really good deal. She's gonna get a 10% push. But it's that uh, methodology, I don't know a better, better phrase for that, that I think just perpetuates the issue, if we don't allow these big jumps and put our egos and, and the budget pieces in check from a consideration of the offer phase, we never get equity. It, it might be that, what, what was the piece, the snippet that you love to call out is, how many years is it supposed to take for us to find pay equity? Well, the World Economic Forum just said in North America, it's going to take 68 years. Well, that's and, the bullshit. And I'm going it that 68 way. plus my age, I don't want to be 148 when I go, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> but but here's the here's the point. <laughs> there are, you know, the gender pay disparity is just one of many disparities, mm -hmm. you know, from a race, ethnic, disability, all of those different kinds of issues. It's really not about saying, okay, we, we got to get to equity. What we have to do is get to a level of transparency where the pre where the the, the conversation is forced then to to better understand what the solutions are and what companies are willing to move towards solutions that are going to take less than 68 years, in which case people, individuals, candidates, and employees can make better decisions relative to that. So it's the transparency we should be focusing in on as a as an industry voice, otherwise, you know what we're going to wait wait for? We're waiting for the different states to now start doing what they do in Europe, which is determining how to calculate disparity and forcing you to publish that on the front page of your of your website. You know, and do you want that law? You know, in 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 fact, in every state except maybe Mississippi or whatever, because uh, that's what's coming. Well, there's an awful lot of state laws I don't want at all, but you know, that, that are popping up everywhere. Um, but so let me ask you: so pay, we're pretty passionate about the pay equity piece, right? Like, and and trying to find that, pay transparency, that from yes. a transparency standpoint, right? Uh, but where else does transparency? Where, where else are we seeing some things pop up with regards to what? 
people are sort of looking for? I mean, I know candidates always want more information, but who, who else in our space, if you want to share, is talking a little bit more about let, let's have more transparency? Oh, I mean, you know, if you look at each stakeholder in the process, um, the, the leaders of any particular corporation probably can uh, dictate what they get to have, right? It, if anything, uh, the CEO says, I'm getting too much crap. You know, you're giving me everything there is to, to know with every kind of insight. I don't have 20, more than 24 hours in the day. So let's narrow this down to what actually yeah. makes sense for me from a business perspective. So I get that. But a recruiter, for example, um, wants it is required to have a, a, a good, solid slate of candidates mm -hmm. that is diverse. However, the the you know the the agreement is in relation to what the level of diversity. But the fact of the matter is, does the recruiter have access to information about how underserved? Mm -hmm. The job family that they're recruiting for is in that company and in the marketplace, you know, and and how much we're hiring in this particular job family to actually make a difference over the course of the next year or two. And I would I would submit that most recruiters lack that data and many recruiters lack the training and knowledge and skill of what to do with that data to really analyze it well, provide insights, and negotiate appropriately with the hiring manager that they're sitting down with and creating a strategy about how to fill this position. Yeah. Well, you know, look, we have a community that's got about 4,000 practitioners in it, and it, it comes up from time to time that while the recruiters are held to this particular um, uh, standard of diversity from a slate standpoint, and and when they aren't given the right tools or the right information to do it, they kind of figure out how to do it anyway. Right. I mean, you know, we we handcuff our recruiters by not supplying the kind of information that allows for them to learn, to grow, um, and to influence how we go about, uh, you know, recruiting. Mm -hmm. uh, in a variety of different ways. And so fundamentally, I'm I'm just a fan of the fact that we now have, you know, analysts working in our TA organizations and operations and humorous. We have employment branding folks. We have all kinds of folks that need different kinds of data that help them do their job. And I think more employers need to know what that is. And I think as an industry, we need to say, you know, here are some minimum, <laughs> minimum kind of transparency requirements that if you're not doing this, you, you shouldn't even be bothering calling yourself a recruiter. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I really, it seems to me that this topic, and I don't know if this is a result of, um, you know, the social injustices we've seen in the last few years, or if this is the result of uh, crazy legislation that's passing, or if this is the result of, you know, it being... This, as we begin to come out of a pandemic work life for the last two years, but there is a notable increase in, oh. in trying to figure out what transparency means and how to, I don't want to say, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say weaponize transparency, right? But, but to really sort of, yeah, learn more about it and use it uh, as a competitive advantage. I think that the, the rest of this year, we're going to see a lot of that. The driving forces have been around for decades, really but they are 
they are getting stronger. And now the question is, who's making the choices about how we will recruit in the future? Is it the legislature? Hmm. Is it going to be Congress? Is it going to be some global, you know, ISO group? Or is it going to be our industry uh, and our practitioners who are going to, uh, you know, make those determinations? And fundamentally, if we if we don't do it collectively, we will uh, be asked to do it by folks who may not know as much as we do. I hear some sort of socialismrecruiting.com or some sort of. <laughs> you it's called it. We must all do it the same. <laughs> So, Jerry, if if I was interested in learning more about transparency, or I was interested in um, trying to figure out all of all of the different touch points, because there are tons. It's data transparency, yeah. process transparency, like hiring, uh, you name it, across the board, right? Just opening that up. Where where would you tell me to go and look? I mean, outside of the obvious, coming to, to CXR.works, but where where would you where would you tell me as a recruiting leader I should maybe start to kind of investigate or do some homework at? Well, I think. I think any uh, recruiting leader or a recruiter can easily take a look at a process flow map, you know, within their own organization or create a simple one. It's not that hard to do. Most of us should have the capability of saying, you know, here are some of the things that are happening. Here is some of the content that I'm sharing and and start asking yourself who has access to this to the data hmm. and the questions you, you can look at your frequently asked questions. There's a frequently asked question, for example, that says, how, how much is this job worth? There's a frequently asked question around that, probably the most frequently asked question. Uh -huh. How many recruiters can actually answer that question without going to get permission or uh, relying on some training that says, here's how to avoid answering this question? Because there is training on how to avoid answering that question. Well, for sure. Until someone in rewards figures out what they're going to offer you. And and I'm I submit that there's there is sufficient data in almost every company that can give a more satisfactory answer to that question. Um, and so if you start with that, we're we're in pretty good shape. There is there are other questions, though, that that I think are very fundamental. We haven't even really addressed them. There are a lot of policies still on the books in a lot of employers that basically say, if you share your salary or con mm. information with a fellow employee, you will be, that is a violation of our policies and you could be fired for that. So, so Crazy. there's that, that, that might've worked in 1960. <laughs> it doesn't work in 2022. Yeah. Um, and, and fundamentally companies that still have that on their policy books should, should get rid of it. So, so the other side of this is to take a look at where restrictions are in who can access data surrounding issues around, uh, diversity, hiring practices, et cetera, that, that might, uh, might, should tumble at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, Jerry, Jerry, thank you so much for your insight. I know we'll carry this into the forums and on with our members. Uh, and I love doing the little back and forth on a topic that we're both pretty excited about. Yeah. And we, we're always interested in input from all of those folks who are listening to this because 
we hope to push this forward in relation to a, perhaps a survey that looks a little bit more deeply about what are the hot transparency issues. So yeah. we, we have some ideas about that, but fundamentally we'd like to hear more. Well, yeah, and if someone wants to call bullshit, right, on, on yeah. something that we're talking about, in especially in terms of what level of transparency should be out there, I think we'd appreciate that as well. Absolutely. All right, good stuff. Well, look, I just want to share a couple of things. As a reminder, the CXR Book Club, that is open to everybody uh, that might be watching or listening. Uh, but we are now watching, I think, The Great Hack on Netflix. It's a documentary on Cambridge Analytics. You can check that out at cxr.work/books. Uh, for members, we've got a quarterly CXR community update. Uh, that's April 14th. It's not a podcast show, but we do stream it live, and that just kind of shares what's happened in the last few months and, of course, what's ahead for us. And then, of course, on April 19th, uh, we've got a solutions spotlight, coincidentally, with College Recruiter, uh, and that's Stephen Rothberg. You're going to join us there. Uh, if you remember, you can see what he has. Um, he's going to share what's new and sort of what we should be paying attention to uh, in that college and early career space. So with that, I want to thank Jerry. Th thanks for being here, man. Thanks for joining the show. <laughs> Life is good. All right. Good stuff. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.